Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Dr. Laura Persky. Laura is Associate Dean at Manhattanville College School of Professional Studies. Laura is not only a relauncher, but she transitioned into a career in academia after almost 20 years in advertising, marketing, and brand management, and a 10-year career break. In her current role as Associate Dean, she leads the operation of the school, which offers six Master of Science programs, advanced certificates, adult undergraduate degree completion, and post-baccalaureate studies. She provides curriculum review and oversight, manages the school's accreditation process, and is on a lot of committees. Laura, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you on as our guest. And I think we'll start right in by learning a little bit about your first 20 years in the private sector. You're you're both a relauncher and a career transitioner. Uh, Your first step back in was in a full-time corporate position and then as an adjunct professor, and and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But can you just start us out by giving us the early background? Um, Sure. Thank you. Uh, I took a job out of college with a big um, insurance company, actually, and it had a training program. And back then, that was a, a very appealing and common way to get started. Um, after a couple of years in insurance, I realized I wanted something more out of my career, and I went to business school at night. And that was really a great move that helped me for the rest of my life. Um, first, I was able to switch into mm-hmm. consumer product marketing, which I was able to move from insurance to consumer product management and then advertising. And then after I stayed home for all those years, I chose to step back and take care of my kids I was able to teach because I had the master's. So you really need that credential on top of the professional experience if you want to teach. So the MBA was a really um, good thing that I had. Mm -hmm. So after you got your MBA, what happened? I took a job at James River Paper Company, uh, now part of Fort James, and I worked on northern bathroom tissue. I got to listen to focus groups about how people use toilet paper. <laughs> so, so this was like classic brand management that you were doing in this role. Correct. You're running the brand. So whether it's um, Z paper towels or Northern bathroom tissue, it's all about the advertising, the marketing, and what you can put on a package or an ad to get consumers to mm-hmm. buy your product. I, mm-hmm. I also went to the advertising agency side of the business and worked on some really great brands, um, A&W brands, sodas, Diet Pepsi. And so really nice career in consumer product marketing. And then when I had children, I tried to find some balance, but it, it I did a lot of travel. There were long hours and the client service portion of the advertising wasn't very amenable to part-time or flexible hours. So I chose to step out for a while. Right. Well, I would have loved to be in some of those uh, focus groups on um, 
on on use of toilet paper. <laughs> but that's for a that's for a separate conversation. <laughs> but you know, it does circle back to a question that I've always wanted to ask people who had that classic brand management training um, in consumer products because that was such a a very interesting, enticing field for so many of us who were in the workforce years ago. And I'm wondering, uh, you made this transition from classic brand management to the new marketing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But can you just talk to us about, in general, um, how, wh what kind of value you thought the classic training brought when you relaunch later um, in a marketing role and um, what you had to learn in order to then be totally viable in this quote, new marketing world? Hmm, great question. Um, the classic brand management training really provides you with an overview of how to run a business. Running a brand is running a business. So you get well-versed in um, production issues, forecasting, you know, sales forecasting, expenses, um, the time frame it takes to develop something, the human resources allocation, do you have enough people to do the job? So the whole brand management training is really applicable to anything you want to do. So anyone who's had that experience, I think is well poised to be in nonprofit, academia, um, anything. And as far as learning digital media and new technologies, you know, like anything, we have to keep current and self-educate as much as possible. I attended seminars, uh, workshops, you know, often some, some were free, some were paid. Um, I would go on YouTube and listen and learn. And I'm still learning. You know, here I am in an associate dean role with some responsibility for admissions. So we have to continue using social and digital outreach and I'm, I'm learning every day on the job what the best practices are, what the new technologies are, and how important it is to keep current. So did you do a lot of that updating in preparation for your relaunch, or did you end up doing it after you had already gone back? Most of it came when I went back, I have to say. Um, getting involved in the mm -hmm. workplace exposed me to so many opportunities. So not to say that it wouldn't have helped if I had so, done it first, but. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you actually got back into that full-time corporate position um, after your 10-year career break. Was it through someone you knew or uh, a course, like one of these classes you were taking? How did it actually happen? Okay. Um, when I was ready, I updated my resume and I actually found recruiters in the field. So I reached out to people who recruit for brand management positions. And I found one who seemed to really believe in me. And it was, it was great for my confidence because he helped build me up. Uh, he presented me to the company that was Playtex Products, Playtex Baby Products. And was very supportive of my relaunch. But, you know, I have to say it's maybe easier because I was going back to a field I had been in. I had a good career there. I had the credentials and the experience. I just had that long time out. Mm -hmm. But that is pretty unusual, um, especially um, 
at the time you were relaunching, how, how, what year was it when you, when you relaunched into that role? I think it was 2005. Okay. So 2005, you know, it's, it's pretty unusual for a recruiter to agree or a headhunter to agree to represent a relauncher, especially back in 2005, it's, you know, becoming much more of an acceptable, uh, acceptable path now, but even now to get a relaunch, to get a recruiter to be behind you and present you as part of a slate of candidates, um, is, is pretty unusual and also a testament, I'm guessing, to the outstanding work that you had done uh, before your career break. But even given that, it's unusual. So, so that is terrific um, that that person represented you. And also, I'm guessing, maybe took you through parts of the process like you had to produce a resume. And did they collaborate with you on what to emphasize and how to talk about your career break? Or were you on your own for that part? Yes, I would. He collaborated with me on the resume, helped the wording, the layout, um, helped me talk about the career break, and was extremely supportive. So you're right. I think it was rare. There were probably other people who didn't give me that time or attention or support. Um, but I found one person convinced that I could do this. And I, and I was convinced I, I needed to do it. It was very important that I go back to work at that time because we needed mm. money. Um, but Without his support and help, I, I don't think I could have made that transition. So you end up in this new role. Uh, and I, you know, one thing I, I want to highlight from a comment that you just made, uh, that you made earlier, is that when you're talking about a classic brand management training is really about how to run a business and all the different pieces of it, it's like it's exactly like what I hear the description of a product manager today. So this product manager role that is so hot and so popular, I'm just telling and thinking that employers listening to this should think about those relaunchers who have that classic brand management training actually were schooled in what is now known as product management. Yes, they're very interchangeable terms, actually. Yeah. So something to think about. Um, and then, you know, you have, you're, you're obviously a fearless learner and a constant learner. Uh, and that's another key, uh, attribute of, uh, successful relaunchers is always needing and wanting to update ourselves. And sometimes, you know, it's absolutely mandatory like it was here. So you are uh, a classic mark, classically trained brand manager you are now in a role where i guess starting in 2005 you know it's different from it's 15 years ago but um during even at that time there was you know digital marketing and social media and what you would i guess consider new marketing to learn so uh did you're saying a lot of that happened on the job and was it like sink or swim or how did you manage that um I, you know, I embraced the new technology. I actually recall being on the baby bottle brand and the whole internet video thing was just starting. YouTube was only just beginning. And we wanted to show consumers how the bubbles in the baby bottle <laughs> float up to the top. No, seriously. And they help prevent babies from getting gas. So Playtex uh -huh. baby bottles, that, that drop in the plastic bag is actually a really wonderful product because 
it reduces the air intake for babies and, and reduces their gas. And I suggested that we put this video up on the internet and the, the uh, researcher, he worked in you know research and development. He was a very nice looking gentleman, very smart. And he was sucking on this baby bottle, showing the bubbles. And I thought it would be wonderful. <laughs> so I, I was ready to embrace it all. You know, you, you take a job, you really have to get current quickly. If you weren't already, you just sink in, you see what they're doing now, what's working and what are the opportunities? What can we do better? What's the next big way to communicate with the consumer or the investor? And I suggested we do this video um, and we actually created the video, but the legal team was too scared. They, they didn't know about the internet or the web. They, they were worried it might, I don't know, backfire or imply something that that's sort of that corporate mentality of, you know, let's wait and see what happens. You know, they want you to be inventive and innovative, but not so much. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Um, so then what happened when you switched over to being an adjunct professor? It was first at Monroe is, was, was that where you, and can you like, what precipitated that switch out of the corporate role? Okay. Um, good question. So I worked in, um, the corporate role at Playtex Products for just over a year. And then the company was bought by another company, Energizer, and they moved farther away from my home where the commute would be well out over an hour on the road each each way. And I just didn't want to do that. That was too much of a drive mm -hmm. for me. And I started mm -hmm. to look around for other corporate marketing jobs or advertising, and there were fewer available within the geographic area that I wanted. And at the same time, I met someone at my, um, in my, my kid's school, actually, who was a career counselor. And I was talking to her about how much I loved talking about marketing. And I loved talking about our marketing with the salespeople and with the consumer affairs people. I liked teaching marketing and I liked talking about it and learning about it. Um, but the pressure of the financial aspect and the profit and loss development was hard. And she suggested that I could teach. I had thought you needed a mm -hmm. PhD, but she mm -hmm. said, yeah, that she said in a, two-year college or community college that they often accept a master's degree with professional experience to back it up or some sort of industry experience that helps you provide, you know, the knowledge. And so I, I reached out to a few schools and people and Monroe actually took me. I just sent my resume in for an open adjunct position. But in the meantime, you know, as I do with everything, I educated myself on how to be a good instructor. So I reached out to some people who who are, were already college professors, and they gave me tips on having cool um, uh, props to show, you know, sort of a show and tell, even in a college level class, but to show students what actual work product looks like, um, you know, samples of good advertising and bad. And I was able to be a guest lecturer in a marketing class at Westchester Community College, you know, again, through networking. And so by the time the teaching demo came around at Monroe, I had already spoken in front of a class and I had prepared myself and I had real world, real tools from my marketing experience. I had market share data from Nielsen, who collects market share on sales, and I had charts and I had photographs of promotions I had done for Revlon. So I, I tried to make a real engaging and interactive um, teaching demo. Well, that sounds amazing. And I, I'm, I want to first know if you can tell our audience just for our reference, 
like what what the full name is of Monroe, what kind of school it is, where it's located, because we have a national and sometimes international listening audience. Okay. Um, Monroe is Monroe College. They are based in New Rochelle, in the Bronx, New York, have an office, a campus in New Rochelle, and also a beautiful campus in St. Lucia in the Caribbean. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so when you were first uh, applying for this role, what was the process like? Did you have to teach a sample class in front of other professors or in front of students? Yes, that's exactly. I saw an ad for an adjunct. I sent in, you know, at the time was probably snail mail, you know, hard copy letter and resume. Um, Perhaps it was email, but um, certainly hard copy followed. And then if they call you, you go in and do a, a teaching demo. So a sample class for faculty. They don't usually put you in front of students unless, I guess, unless they need to, or you know someone, but really the demo is for the dean and, and for other faculty to evaluate you. So, you know, I, I love that you got this coaching about how to most effectively communicate your message. You know, I do a lot of public speaking. I'm I'm not an, an educator per se, but I do always try to use screenshots and photographs and sometimes live um, now, you you know, on on internet demonstrations or videos, uh, much more interesting uh, and uh, uh, compelling as far as an educating vehicle or communications vehicle than, you know, just words on a screen. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a big part of talking to an audience, whether it's a class or a workshop. You know, I've been on panels in, in this new role. I get to speak to groups of people for either paid workshops or volunteer or uh, um, professional develop events at our school. So you started as an actor. You got accepted and they and you started teaching. Was it a course in, in marketing and advertising? Exactly. <laughs> Intro to marketing 101 and then, you know, marketing management, market research, advertising, consumer behavior. So you're developing the, the materials for these classes as you get asked to teach them. Correct. And then take us through what happened after that. What, what did that lead to and how did you get to this position at Manhattanville College, this very senior position that you're in today? Okay. Um, so I started as an adjunct. I took what I could get, which was nighttime classes in the Bronx, because that's you know what other people didn't want. But I was so grateful, and it was such a wonderful opportunity to really get to know students who work all day and go to school all night and are working very hard to better themselves. Um, in addition, I wanted to learn to teach online. And so Monroe at the time had a good class and encouraged faculty to teach online because they have a big online program. And uh, at first it was really scary because it's new technology and I didn't know exactly how to use it. And you have to prepare a lot in advance. Um, There are a couple of different ways to teach online. Some companies or schools will give you all the material and you're really just um, facilitating, but they might've provided the notes and the interactive tools. But at this school, all that needed to be developed. And I actually got quite uh, competent at it, and I enjoyed it very much. And so I was able to uh, morph into an administrative role helping other faculty teach online. And I became what they call an a online or distance learning liaison. So I helped other faculty develop courses online. 
and then teach online. And so I was teaching students as a teacher and teaching faculty how to teach online. And that became my administrative role. So I had both the adjunct professor and then this part-time administrative role, which I really enjoyed and uh, helped me learn a little bit about the inner workings of higher ed. So you were an adjunct professor and teaching like once a week or twice a week. And then just, you know, because of your adventurous, I I guess, uh, like approach where you were going to make sure that you figured out how to teach online, then you're in a position to teach other people. And then this role came up and, and you were the right person for it? Or how did that happen? Well, that's exactly right. So they have distance learning liaison roles for each of the different schools. And someone needed to run the business school as, as the online learning liaison, helping faculty being a, a connection between the IT department and the actual faculty. And, I, you know, I volunteered, I applied, and I really enjoyed it. And, um, did a good job, and I was able to stay there for four, four almost five years, working part time. So it was really sort of my fantasy job. I, I remember first when I had kids and I stayed home, and I went to a workshop on how to, what I really wanted, and what I wanted was this part time job where I could take care of my kids in the morning, work until they came home, pick them up, and and have that balance. And I really had that. It was really. Um, it was so great. I appreciated it. I didn't take it for granted. Um, and, you know, it always, um, it wasn't a given that every semester I would keep getting classes or I would keep being hired, but it did work out that way. Hmm. You know, I want our listeners to take note here because I can't tell you how many relaunchers have come to us and said, I want a substantive, interesting, challenging, part time, flexible role. Like so many people want that. And, and it, those roles are, are, are hard to find, but we do tell people to look in academia when they're relaunching for a whole range of reasons. But here you're saying the role that you managed to carve out for yourself and, and it was over a period of time was exactly that. It was substantive and challenging and flexible and part-time. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, I reached for it. I I helped create it. I envisioned it. You know, I asked for it and I really appreciated it. And I have to say, being part time and being off site, I I would recommend that you make yourself available as much as possible. So if someone emailed me or called me, I didn't have this mentality of, oh, I'm not on right now. You know, I'll get back to them tomorrow. I actually tried to respond as quickly as possible when feasible because then it helps that person get back to work. And so it made it made the people who I work with feel like I was available a lot more than just a part-time person. Right. So I, I would recommend that. You know, we had another relauncher, a lawyer, um, who I think was a public defender who, to, who was out for a number of years, who came back and headed up the judicial clinical education program that, that was in a, at a law school in Southern California. And also had a situation that was part-time and flexible, and then over time um, took on more roles where, as our kids became older, uh, and you know worked it ultimately into a full-time job. So, so I'm just thinking, you know, academia is has these opportunities that can often be uh, pieced together over time and and can be non-traditional, but also very interesting. Um, how was it for you to have gotten very senior in your career, 
before your career break. Then you took the career break and you came back into a pretty meaty, you know, brand manager role for a big company. Um, and then you made this transition and became an adjunct. Did you feel like you were taking a giant step back there, back temporarily um, and and financially, or I, I, I don't know how, how, it all, how it all played out. Like, was there an adjustment there that you had to make in your thinking and thinking, look, I've, I'm going to look at this more as a long-term proposition, or how did you manage that emotionally? Um, I definitely looked at it as a long-term proposition. You know, you're absolutely right. Adjuncts do not make a lot of money. It's a very low-paying position, but it's very rewarding. One of the things about classic brand management and marketing and advertising is you're promoting consumer products or services. You know, it, it does it. It doesn't necessarily improve someone's life if they have more soda or more lipstick or you know a, another mm-hmm. thing. But when you help someone get their education and someone thanks you because they completed a class or they finished a whole program and got their bachelor's or master's, you feel so grateful. And I had such an impact on people's lives as an adjunct instructor that it was very rewarding. Um, the money at that time was okay. I was really appreciating, again, the balance. Um, one of the things I didn't tell you, Carol, is when I did decide to go back to work and I, I did actually get that job offer from the corporate company, I sat in mm. my car and cried because I had to take it. I, we needed the money and I had to take this job and I, it was a big job and I was going to be gone five days a week plus for you know a long day. And I knew how much of a change in my life it would be. So I just wanted to share that because I, there's so many mixed emotions. You know, I'm so proud of myself for getting it and it was such a wonderful achievement, but it was also really scary. And uh, I'll never forget sitting in the parking lot and crying. But so the adjunct role was kind of a relief. You know, I got back in the workforce. We were able to um, work that financially. And, you know, I knew that it would come. You can take on several classes and and you can grow as as much as you can handle as an adjunct instructor and hope Mm -hmm. to move it into a full-time role. I had Mm -hmm. opportunities to take a full-time role at Monroe. It, It just wasn't the right fit at the time. And then um, after a few years, I was actually playing some sports with friends, and I met someone who worked at Manhattanville College, where I work now, and she mentioned to me an open role, and it, um, it was an opportunity for me to cement that career change, to really take a full-time position that had value and, and meaning, and that's how I ended up at Manhattanville College, through networking. I love how you say it. Through sports, you were playing with friends, with some friends, some some sport activity. Because we always say to people, get out of the house and go public with your job search. And you know, you have these conversations with all these different people during the course of your day. In addition to you know, professional associations or you know, maybe lectures that you go to that have something to do with your career goals. But you know, relauncher say, oh, I was sitting next to another parent at a sporting event watching our, our kids, and and that's why I found out about my job. Or you're saying you were doing some sort of sport activity yourself with friends and somehow heard about this opportunity at Manhattanville College. That's right. You really have to tell people what you want. You know, you, you have to work on that 30-second elevator pitch to you know, be prepared to tell people, I'm looking for a job, I'm trying to get into this career, or, you know, I'm interested in these companies, do you know anybody? 
that's really how you open those doors. And then when you um, were applying for the job at Manhattanville College, you already had all of this significant experience, even though it was like, it sounds like you had put together a part-time flexible role with these different components, these at this adjunct comp- teaching component, you were then had the administrative role, but it, it sounds like it positioned you perfectly for a more senior role at, at Manhattanville. Right. So I there was an opportunity. It's called the program director. Sounds like the role maybe that you were talking about before with the lawyer. Um, these are people who manage um, degree programs or certificate programs. And so there's an administrative component on top of the academic. And that's where my business background was helpful. So in addition to the, the curriculum knowledge and the professional knowledge, I had that organizational skill. And that, that's really helpful in higher ed because they could really use it. Um, and, you know, so I took this program director role, but, you know, I did go back to school after that. Wait, you, you said you did go back to school after that? I did. So how did you do that? What did you go back to do? So I worked as a graduate program director, um, for, I think it was a full three years when I realized I had higher aspirations in academia and, um, I needed a doctorate to move into the dean's office. Mm. That was my goal. And uh, the MBA was not sufficient for that role. You know, not not at this school at, you know, at this time, maybe in some places it is, but for the most part, they're looking for doctorates, either a PhD or an EDD, which is a doctor of education. And so believe it or not, at 52 years old, I enrolled in a doctorate program. I went to school at night and on the weekends for two and a half years while working full time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Were you an empty nester by then? Almost. It was, <laughs> I had one child senior year at home and I, you know, I, I did the best balance I could. That's intense. So, you, so you're working your full time job. You're going to school at night and on weekends. And you did that for how long? Um, two and a half years. Almost. Wow. Three. And then you got that degree. Correct. I, I wrote a dissertation. And I earned a doctorate, which something I never thought in a million years that I would do, uh, you know, 20 years ago or even 10. Yeah. What, what a milestone for you, especially at that age. Um, you, you know, this um, recollection that you're talking about right now, plus that um, that poignant moment you you were discussing about how you cried when when you got that 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 first job back, not only because you we're back, but also because you represented, it represented what the transition was going to now mean um, on the personal side. I wanted to know if we could spend just a couple minutes um, understanding what that transition was like on the personal side. You were on career break for 10 years. You jumped back into a pretty intense full-time job. Um, How was that managed at home? What did your family think? Um, And then what was their reaction years later when you got your doctorate degree? Uh, well, you know, a transition like that takes everybody to help out. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time in my family's life, we had to have full-time help, mm-hmm. to, you know, to have a, two people who worked full-time, you know, in, in demanding careers, we really needed someone who was available during the day whenever there was a school break and that sort of thing. So I hired someone and, you know, you really have to rely on that person to do do the right thing with your family. So that was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel like I missed a lot and it was it was hard. 
but it was the choice we made. And the upside was that my kids were really proud of me and, and my husband was proud of me and I was proud of myself. I, I think you, there's a lot of value in working and as one, you know, it, it's wonderful to do what you want to do when you can, if you can afford it. You know, we all have to be grateful if we can stay home or we have to and take care of parents or children or, you know, spouses. But it's also really nice to be able to walk into a meeting at work and say, well, what does Laura think? Mm-hmm. Let's see what she thinks. Mm-hmm. Or let's let's evaluate and discuss. And I, I am one, I, I guess you can tell by my career, that finds intrinsic value in, in you know, being valued at work and being appreciated mm-hmm. and asked what I think of something and being a decision maker. So it was a very rewarding, um, very rewarding move. And I think my kids were proud of me. Mm-hmm. And when I, yeah, when I went back to school, same thing, we would study together. You know, everybody came home and did their homework. I had to write my papers. In fact, um, my son was training to be a pilot and I would drive him an hour each way to an airport and then sit in the hangar. And I found an office in the hangar where I could do my reading and research for my dissertation work. And it was so helpful. And uh, there was a time when my mother was sick and in the hospital and I found the library nearby. And again, I found a study room. And the way I I unwound from this, the sadness or the difficulty was I did my research and did my work. You know, I use work sometimes to, I don't want to say avoid things, but to help mm-hmm. not dwell, mm-hmm. not dwell. Mm-hmm. We all deal in our own way, but it's wonderful to achieve something you put your mind to and, and getting a doctor, going back to school later in life, you know, while my kids were in school, we were all really proud. And it was, it was a very great moment. I so appreciate you pointing that out, that uh, your kids, your your spouse, and you yourself feeling that pride and having that uh, feeling when, when you walk into a work situation where, where people want your opinion and, and the, the, the feeling that you get by being that person. We don't always talk about that. And, and I, I really appreciate you highlighting it. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, wow, Laura, we're, we're basically out of time right now. That went extremely fast. Um, I want to wind, wind up by asking you the question we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Okay. Um, I think it's actually something that you said earlier, Carol, is that get out and tell people. My mother used to say, if you want something, say it like you mean Mm. it. And the point is, if you want to go back to work, you got to mean it. And you got to work on that resume and start looking at ads and networking and tell everybody whether you're cross-country skiing or at the gym or, you know, like you said, on the sidelines of a sporting event. But be willing to take that chance, practice that elevator pitch um, speech, you know, which is what I, who I am, what I want, and, you know, maybe how you can help me if that's Mm -hmm. appropriate. You put it out there. So say it like you mean it. Excellent advice. So Laura, before we close, you work at an institution that has specific courses and resources that are relevant for our relauncher audience. So I want to know, can you please tell our audience how they can find out more about certificate programs and other educational opportunities for relaunchers at the Manhattanville College School of Professional Studies? Absolutely. Thank you, Carol. We have a variety of um, graduate degree programs, 
certificate programs, and workshops. So they can be found at our website, www.mville.edu. And just look for the School of Professional Studies or Graduate Studies. That sounds perfect. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, can they find you on LinkedIn? Sure. So is it, they'll look up Dr. Laura Persky and and that's it, P-E-R-S-K-Y. Yes. Okay, perfect. All right, thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. You're welcome, thank you. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.